Hello and welcome. Today I have with me Katie, Katie Taylor of the Latte Lounge. Um, I have been waiting for this for a very long time, Katie. We've been we've been <laughs> we've been toing and froing for a while with so many so many things happening in our lives, and I'm so delighted that we've finally got together um, to make this podcast because I have been wanting um, my listeners to be able to hear your story to hear the amazing work that you have been doing and are doing, continuing to do. Cause I think um, I get, I'm really inspired by what you do and how much you, how, what impact you've had on, on the world of menopause today. So Katie, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm sorry it's taken us so long to oh. get around to doing this, but it's very kind of you to have me. Oh, no, thank you. So, Katie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us kind of who you are. Tell us a bit about the Latte Lounge. Um, off you go. Sure. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's hear your story. Um, well, I'm 53 years old now, but uh, rewind 10 years to when I was 43. Um, I've got four children. At the time, they were young children, and I was a very kind of busy mum but very capable you know I'd sort of walk the kids to school um, I'd go to work um, my, my job was as a communications manager for a children's um, charity um, and then I'd obviously come home pick up my kids make dinner you know sort the family out and and you know and, and that was my routine and I really had a very happy life yeah I've got a very understanding patient husband of almost 30 years now and and life was pretty good um but then what happened was over the next sort of four years so from the age of about 43 to 47 I started um, experiencing a whole host of what I thought were seemingly unrelated symptoms um so I started off with some really horrible brain fog I just couldn't cl uh, think clearly I'd be going into meetings at work and or I'd you know I'd be looking at budgets and and it was like looking at another language or I'd be taking the kids to school and I just couldn't remember the name of the teacher that they'd had for like five years um and then I also felt like every walk every sort of step I took on that walk to school felt like I was climbing Mount Everest. It was it was such an effort. I was exhausted. Um, I was also existing on about three hours sleep a night. Um, so and and I became very very depressed and teary. Um, I also suffered from anxiety, which was something I'd never been afflicted with before, um, and heart palpitations, really quite frightening. Um, and every time I went back and forth to my doctors, they said, you're suffering with depression, you're juggling way too much, you're working, you're, you're juggling four kids, you're not superhuman, um, take some antidepressants, um, see if you can have some time off work, or, or even consider, you know, working part time or cutting down your hours. Um, I tried that. My employer was very um, understanding and they allowed me to go part time. Um, I didn't want to take the antidepressants. I didn't feel I was actually depressed. I had no good reason, you know, that I should be. So they were kind of in a drawer. They were just kind of there, but not touched. Um, and then um, I started getting very scared about the heart palpitations and I was sent for some uh, to a heart specialist. I had to sleep with a, a 24 hour heart monitor on and they could find nothing wrong with me. Um, it was even thought maybe it was early onset dementia that was causing the brain fog. Um, and I think, you know, as 
a relatively young woman, I just found that frightening. I thought, am I going to have a heart attack? Am I going to develop dementia? Am I a hypochondriac? Um, and I'm a doctor's daughter and I, I kind of understand mostly what's going on with the human body. I've kind of just grown up surrounded by medics and, and I didn't class class myself as a hypochondriac. I very rarely would go to a doctor unless I literally, you know, was, <laughs> was on death's door. In fact, as a young child, my dad would never let us have a day off work. We, we literally would have to be seriously unwell. Um, and eventually I just, I started putting on a lot of weight. Um, I, was comfort eating as a way to kind of cope with the low mood. Um, and I had aching joints, really bad aching joints to a point where I just couldn't exercise anymore. Um, and I eventually gave up my job. I just became a hermit. I used to lie on the couch asleep most of the day. Um, now I didn't have hot flushes. I wasn't having, um, I wasn't skipping periods. Uh, but my periods became heavier, a lot heavier, to a point where I was actually flooding. And I, I couldn't leave the house even if I wanted to. Um, and I actually became severely anemic as well. And I remember going round to my father one night, um, and he's now a he's retired breast cancer professor. And I said, Dad, I think I'm going mad. Um, I have no reason to be feeling so rubbish. And he said, look, you know, you're 47. I think you should go and see a gynecologist who I who I work with. She also um, is a specialist in in hormone health and and has a you know a special interest in menopause. And I know you're not having hot flushes, but just go and have a chat. Well, I went to see her, um, and in a matter of ten minutes, I told her all my symptoms, and she said, "Well, this is classic perimenopause." Um, now, this was a word I hadn't heard of. She explained that we have estrogen receptors all over our bodies and I was severely depleted. And this is why I was feeling all these symptoms. And I'm sure, you know, for people that are listening, I can see you're nodding along because I know, Mira, your story and mine are very similar. Um, but to cut a very long story short, that night I went home and I kind of cried with relief that I wasn't going mad. Yeah. Um, and I turned to Facebook because at the time Instagram didn't exist and right. we were all still on, you know, Facebook. But I was following groups uh, for mums with new babies and, and I hadn't sort of, none of us had kind of progressed. No. And, <laughs> and there weren't any groups at that time talking about sort of what life over 40 looks like. Mm. So I set up a Facebook group and I... Um, decided I was going to call it the Lassie Lounge because I think my best conversations and solutions come out of having a cup of coffee with a girlfriend in yeah. a coffee shop. <laughs> I do love the name. Absolutely. <laughs> my kids hate it. They think it's, oh, far, they think it's far too sort of posh and, and uh, <laughs> you know, but I, I look, I'm a latte lover. So what can I say? <laughs> yeah. So that's, that was kind of the background to the, Facebook group and and it grew I mean it was ridiculous in the first 24 hours I had a thousand member requests and I was like oh my god I'm not alone here this no. is not just happening to me you know this is happening to hundreds of women yeah um and I felt very sorry for them because they were coming to the group with all these issues to do with perimenopause menopause but also worries about their own 
the health of their kids, the health of their parents, the health of their partners. And so I thought, well, if I put together a website, you know, I'd given up my job by then. Mm. So I thought, well, if I put together a website and bring together a kind of medical advisory team and a team of writers, um, we can support these women uh, with evidence-based information and then we can signpost them to the right people, the right resources. So like you and I, they don't have to struggle. Like on day one, they can get the answers they're looking for and yeah. and get on with the rest of their lives. So yeah, yeah that, that's the background. <laughs> it's just, you know, I think it was lovely to hear the story. Sad, but lovely to hear the story. And thank you for sharing. But do you know what struck me was, as you as you mentioned, a similarity between your story and my story um, and thousands of others. But we're all from different walks of life. We're all from different places. We do different jobs. We do different. We have different responsibilities. Um, you know, so we're not it, it. You know, menopause is not something that hits everybody in the same way, but it's something that will hit us all, will happen to us all at some stage, okay? And that's what's really incredible that up until now, up until, you know, literally in the last few months, you'd say, or years maybe, last year or so, menopause just was not something that was spoken about at all. And that loneliness, that sadness that you felt the way that it made you feel and actually it was nothing to do with you at all as in you know it was just because your hormones were changing it's 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 as simple as that but the complications that come with it when you don't understand what's happening can leave people feeling i mean I, i've spoken to women and it is it's really really sad that some of them are struggling so much um and it isn't necessary is it i think that's the thing it doesn't need to be that way well, I think so. And I think the beauty of, of the Latte Lounge is that it's a community. And I think there's, you know, I've grown up in quite a, a close-knit community myself. And, and I know the power of communities, everything, because yeah. if you can share a problem with someone else that knows and relates to what you're going through, that's, that's half the problem solved. And I think what I've learned through my own journey is that the reason so many of us were misdiagnosed was because you know we, 20 years ago there was i'm sure a lot of your listeners will know this now but 20 years ago there was a the women's health initiative trial in 2001 um, yeah. that linked breast cancer to hrt and at the time menopausal women were doing really well on hrt doctors were very confident prescribing it well overnight this trial which is actually a flawed trial and has been yes. dismissed now exactly. um everyone came off it and doctors stopped prescribing it and were scared to prescribe it so you've got this whole generation of doctors and women who and first of all are not confident with it and second of all are scared of it and i yeah. think so look, gate, you know, our GPs are our gatekeepers to our health and it's not their fault at all. No. They're no. just not educated in menopause. Hardly, it's hardly touched on at medical school mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. And I think once I realized that, I thought, you know, yes, I want to help these women, but I also want to make change. I can't stand by and just help these thousands of women where there's no end game. There's got to be an yeah. end game yes, here. Yes, exactly. And exactly. I think what happened was I was really lucky that when I started the group, I met a lovely lady called Diane, who I'm sure you know, Diane. Yes. Dan, we yeah. both met through the group, our groups. 
Um, and Diane set up the Make Menopause Matter campaign and petition, which addressed the three issues that were, were my story and, and yours and so many others. And one was, you know, menopause was never on the medical school curriculum and it needs to be. One was we were never taught about it at school and it needs to be. And the other is that workplaces need to have policies and support in place so women like us don't don't leave the workforce. So I think all this campaigning work that I've been lucky enough to, to do and be part of with Diane, and there's such a movement now with so many other sort of campaigns, that I think us women are pretty amazing. We're, we're just the, this generation that said, we're not having this, you know, we, no. the, we know what's wrong. We know what we want to take, you know, control of our own health um hear us roar <laughs> yes yeah absolutely and you know you you have been part of that movement I've been lucky enough to be part of that as well um you know I've been lucky enough to uh, have met so many people and been involved in so many campaigns but you know people say oh it must be just so exciting and you know what it's really lovely but the bottom line is somebody said to me oh you know when will you you know are you going to just stop this is this like a phase are you going to stop when it all goes well it wasn't a phase when I started it's not going to be a phase when I stop you know I, I will keep going for as long as women will need me but exactly like yourself there's you know we know what's whilst we know what's wrong we also know what's right we know what we are capable of as women and as you said the number of times people say to you, well, maybe you're just doing a bit too much or, you know, maybe you just need to calm down a bit with all the, you know, how can you juggle 25 different things? And I'm thinking, hold on a minute. If I could do it before, I can do it now. I just need a slightly different structure and support and understanding of where I'm at. Um, you know, things like, like you were saying, not being able to read the emails or that was exactly me, you know, and I didn't have a choice where I could say, I'm going to stop working. I run my own business. At the time, it was one business. I've now got two, but I ran my own business and I was the leader of that business. I couldn't just turn up one morning and go, I'm not coming to work, you know, or I want to do. I, it was just not something that was there. Um, so navigating that as well um, becomes, you know, becomes difficult when people around you don't understand what you're talking about. So this the workplace pledges that are being made now and are coming through are amazing. And, you know, those points that you listed that were part of the campaign are now they've been heard you know and and that's yeah. such an incredible feeling yeah it is look it's on the uh, English school curriculum now and you know hopefully you know doctors it will become you know a mandatory module but we we have we've got a long way to go and yes. I was really fortunate to be invited last week to uh, Downing Street with uh, some fantastic um, campaigners including I know um, Dr Arif and Nigat Arif who, who yes. I know, you know as well and I think one of the takeaway messages from that and it, it was about all the whole women's health strategy is that actually you know we're, we're just you know women who have gone through this we shouldn't need to be doing this we're basically mopping up the job of of someone else and I, I you know to be totally frank I, I've given up seven years of my life to do this um yeah. and and look it's my it's a privilege that I can and I want to support women but we actually shouldn't have to no. Um, no. and I want to do other things you know I'd love to go off and do you know lots of other things before I'm you know old and past it um but uh, until then like you until the emails stop coming in and the you know the 
stories keep coming we'll we'll keep doing this um, we will yeah we certainly will and you're right that's exactly that's exactly the thing you know it is it isn't there are so many people who and and you and Nigat and those that are in Downing Street represent all of us who are just chipping away you know there are so many people who are uh, doing you know voluntarily doing this you know like yourself like myself voluntarily taking the time to speak to people um and do all of that work and you know it's everybody's work um putting it all together as you exactly said we shouldn't have to do it we you know we need community champions we need people within the community who where there is a role for them and not necessarily voluntarily you know people like you said like you myself lots of others who are giving up their valuable time to do this and support others and we're doing it because we know we want to make a difference um but like you said i think that needs to change fundamentally in in the kind of infrastructure of how um women are supported for every aspect of women's health not just not yeah. just the menopause and that's why um, I, uh, is it three years ago, two and a half years ago, I, I launched our, we have a flagship event, which is called the Midlife Festival, and it's a week-long free online event. And the reason I did that is I wanted to actually celebrate midlife women. And and I what I've realised meeting women like yourself and, and lots of others is that we're actually, you know, we're we're a we're a curious bunch. Um, we want to be informed and educated so that that we can take control of our own health, happiness and well-being. And, and so by bringing together all these sort of leading experts on, on this sort of free, you know, event um, that people can dip in and out of, I, we've had such amazing feedback because I think so often menopause is depicted as a really depressing time and end of something. And I, I, I mean, like you, I actually feel, you know, now I feel better than I did you know 20 years ago for sure and yes. I, I feel like I'm only getting started I feel yes. invigorated excited and I want to experience longevity of of health and well-being so that I can you know do you know <laughs> enjoy yes. the rest of my life while I'm fortunate enough to be here absolutely and I think that it is the thing that I've learned the most again speaking to you today and uh, the podcast guests that I've had before is the the incredible creativity, tenacity, resilience, you know, um, curiosity, as you said, that, that the women I've spoken to have. And it's almost in a way there is that, uh, you know, and I'm not I'm not taking away from the toughness of it all and the hardship that, that can be there, but actually when it's all managed and it's well and you're okay, the amount of creativity there is and that zest for life and living and the freedom that these years seem to bring you know that no filter kind of thing which is which is fun uh, not so fun for the kids and everyone else around you but fun for you and, and actually half the time i don't even know i'm doing it but apparently uh, you know god you're turning into my mum's called nani to the kids but she's a nanny so they seem to keep saying to me you're turning into nani mum. you're just saying whatever's coming in your mouth and i'm like well that's, what can i do but you know there is a lot of fun to be had as you said there is a lot of um there is a lot of up upbeat there's a lot to look forward to um and i suppose i think i'd like to kind of just just ask you that actually what do you what do you feel i know i know there is such a uh, side to this you know when you're going through that perimenopause the journey you explained is a similar journey to mine but we're kind of on this side now and it would be i say on this side you know we've come we've come through and we're out the other side in postmenopausal years 
And for anybody kind of listening, it would be lovely for you to share what you, the joys of it. What do you, what, what is, how is life looking like for you now? Well, I think, look, for a lot of women who maybe aren't in such a, a fortunate position as myself, it's hard to listen to this podcast. You know, I've got a, a very supportive husband who just about could manage for a while without me earning. And that isn't the reality for most women. And I'd say before I sort of talk about, you know, what today looks like, you know, if I could just give one piece of advice, if anyone's listening to this is feeling rubbish, you know, just at the bare minimum, we've got a symptom checklist, print it off, take it to your doctor, because if you can get the right support and advice on day one, you are literally avoiding the sort of four years of of misery that I went through. And for others, it have been longer. Um, Then once you've got, and it might not be that you need the medical treatment option like I did, which was HRT. It may be that you just need to perhaps like, you know, yourself address nutrition and fitness. But once you get to a point, hopefully, where you do start feeling like your old self, For me, it's a sense of liberation and freedom. You know, I think my kids are are getting older now. There's, you know, one's left home and is getting married this year. You know, another two are at uni and another's working now. And I think it's kind of reconnecting with my partner and going, oh, I remember you. Um, And actually having some time for us. And that doesn't have to be, I'm not talking expensive holidays, but even if we, we just decide, you know what, sod it, let's just go into London and go for a walk or go for a meal or go and see a show or or, or stay out all day because we don't have to rush back for anything or worry about babysitters. Um, and it's almost like reclaiming life pre-kids. Um, and obviously there's people that don't have children um, for a whole host of different reasons. Either they didn't want children or they sadly couldn't have. And I think it's it's a really good time to take stock of your health because what you do now, it's never too late to um, be healthy. And whatever you do now, it, small tweaks, whether it's to your nutrition, to your diet, to you, whether it's HRT, they're going to have a long-term effect on all of your long-term health. Yeah, um, And I've learned from my dad, actually, that... Um, we've got to stop being these sort of single issue fanatics that everything is linked up. So, you know, your nutrition affects everything from your bones to your brain health, to your heart health, to your gynecological health. Same with exercise. Yeah. So as you say, you know, it's that unfiltered liberation where you can just say, right, sod you lot, I'm off. (laughs) Absolutely. And putting yourself first. I think this is such an important time, again, linked to that, where if you are feeling rubbish, recognizing that, that, you know, you know, you have the confidence to know, you know, you and there is something not right with you, um, you know, and don't be fobbed off. Do go back again and again, as you said. And, um, you know, Katie, we will share all your details, please, um, as we come to the end of the podcast, because I really would love people to, um, you know, know more about you, where to find you and all the wonderful podcasts that you've done as well, which are really, really super useful. Um, uh, And it is important. But yes, like you said, it is, you know, it is that time to focus on you, whether it's whatever that happens to look like and whatever that happens to be. Um, You know, for some people, it can be realizing that they're in the wrong relationship, you know, and sometimes it can be realizing that they're, they're more in love than they were, whatever it is, or 
you know, that there are friends in the life that don't really need anymore. Whatever that looks like, there is that liberation for sure. And putting yourself first, I think um, definitely is what you, what I can hear you saying. Um, Katie, as we kind of come towards the end of our, uh, our podcast, there's one question I ask all, all our guests. Um, and, uh, and I wonder if you would um, share something that a ritual or a routine or something that you do, which has really helped you and actually that maybe some of our listeners may may find useful and actually be able to do as well let's help them feel you know more energized a bit more kind of calm whatever it would be i don't i don't know yeah well i mean i um i was hounded for 10 years by my kids to get a dog and i i've always been scared of dogs i've never wanted one i've never understood why my friends are obsessed with their dogs um i caved in seven years ago and I have to say, it's the best thing I've ever done on so many levels. First of all, our dog is the glue for the family. No matter what mood anyone is in, you cannot help but be happy and smile when you're around your dog. Um, second of all, it forces me to walk every single day, rain or shine. I have to walk. The dog needs walking. And the thought of it, especially on a horrible rainy day, is is like, oh, I really wish I didn't have to do this. But the second I get out of that front door and I walk, and even if it's just 20, 25 minutes, I just feel so much better because if I'm on my own, I'm just thinking calmly, I'm you know, looking around, enjoying nature or listening to a podcast. If I'm with my husband or my kids, we're chatting. And it's just, it's just very, very therapeutic. And so for me, that's been the biggest change. Um, I always swore I'd never be one of those pet owners that would allow the dog on the couch, let alone the bed. The dog <laughs> now sleeps in my bed. She's even got her own pillow. <laughs> Sometimes I'm on the floor in the dog basket. <laughs> oh, I, I can totally get that. I can totally get that. We um, we had a, a lovely, lovely schnauzer for 14 and a half years. So she was just our whole world. And it's so interesting that you say the glue that holds a family together. And actually what's really interesting is not having her around um you know it's only been a couple of weeks now that she since you know since she passed away but not having her around has left this void in the house where we're all looking at each other and and my husband and i don't really bicker we don't fight we, we just we just don't um but we're, we're starting to bicker we're starting to have this like you know and my daughter came around the other day and she said mom the house feels so different doesn't feel right so yes you you that is such a lovely thing to do i think that whole idea of that fresh air going out every day is one of the things that most many many of our podcast guests have actually mentioned and i think that cannot be understated um you know the important and it's free it costs nothing to go it costs walk. absolutely nothing absolutely <laughs> that that really is the best thing um Katie, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I'm, I knew this was going to be something that I wanted the listeners to to be able to hear and uh, hear your story and hear what you, what work you've done, amazing work that you're doing. Um, would you just share where people can find more about you, where they can find the Latte Lounge and all the things that you do? Sure. So it's uh, lattelounge.co.uk is the website. 
Uh, the podcast is called Midlife and Menopause Uncovered. Um, and the Midlife Festival is um, themidlifefestival.com. Um, and that's uh, happening this October for a week. Uh, and we also do a lot of work in the workplace. We do a lot of sort of corporate work, uh, help writing policies and awareness events. Um, but you can find everything about us. Um, and we also have a private membership, you know, for those who are really struggling that want some one-to-one support. But it, it's all on the website. That's yeah. and, and I'm on Instagram like you, um, lounge yes, you the latte. at Lounge the Latte. <laughs> perfect. And you're on TikTok too. Well, I'm. We're dipping our toes in it. I don't love it. <laughs> I'm too old. But my teenagers. Oh, <laughs> you're never too old. Never too old. I don't like using those words. Yeah, yeah no, right. I found you on TikTok. So I was like, oh, this is good. I love this. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Great, but look, the, the, we all it all began on the Facebook group. Yes. That's where the real community is. So if you need support, come and join the Facebook group because that's where we chat every single day. Um, and you won't feel alone for sure. No, no, that's wonderful. Katie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been absolutely lovely and definitely worth the, worth the wait yeah. for sure. Right. Thank you for having me. <laughs>